Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Are you living in the freedom of Jesus Christ today, or are you enslaved by habitual and unrepentant sin in your life? Our Heavenly Father desires us to walk in the increasing freedom of Jesus Christ our Lord. It is only in growing to know and obey Jesus and His Word, the Bible, that we can be increasingly free from habitual sin in our daily life. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 8 and look at the amazing freedom we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Monday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all are just, just living for Jesus thinking about Jesus more and more and more, speaking about Jesus more and more. Obviously, obeying Jesus, doing what he tells us to do. As we read and study the scriptures, the living word of God, and just the, the incredible privilege that that is, we want to more and more incorporate into our lifestyle all that the scriptures teach. We want to, to refrain from doing the things it tells us not to do. Defense, right? That'd be like defensive Christianity. But it's extremely important that we do the things that we're told to do. And that would be more offensive Christianity. Right, Jesus? Um, thank you, Jesus. I was going to say, right, Jesse? Him and I... Uh, I mean, I were discussing this this morning, and uh, he was talking about he believed one of the the biggest problems in the in the church today is that that we have we have a massive church culture that that only practices defensive Christianity, which is to say they don't they don't have any massive overt sin in their life. They refrain from the quote unquote big big sins the the big sins that we consider in society they refrain from those um and that is for the most part all of their christianity and where it's certainly good we do need to refrain from sinful behavior sinful thoughts sinful words sinful actions um, we need to grow to also live our lives doing the things that jesus has called us to do so it's not only about not sinning in Jesus, but about living an intentional life, bearing fruit for Jesus, speaking for Jesus, uh, living a Christ-centered life, again, in an in a offensive way, you know, as well as in a defensive way. In a, in a football game, and the, the Cowboys won last night, thank you, Lord, um, in a, in, a, in a football game, you have offense and defense, and it's the same in biblical Christianity. You have heads and tails. You have offensive Christianity, and you have defensive Christianity, and you want to have a lifestyle of excelling in both, in and through Jesus. Now, as we say over and over and over, this has nothing to do with our salvation or going to heaven. We get to heaven strictly, only, completely, based on what Jesus Christ has done for us at the cross. 
and by our trusting and relying on him, clinging to Jesus and him alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. That's how we go to heaven. That's how we get saved, by trusting and relying on Jesus Christ, knowing that he's our only hope, knowing that without him we are hopeless and helpless and that we cannot add anything Anything that we do, we cannot add to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul and for us ultimately going to heaven. It's Jesus Christ alone. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So today we're going to be in John 8. Last time we got through verse 32. Today we're going to do 33 to probably around 41. So we're going to go ahead and read it and we will get rolling. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your mercy, your favor, and your goodness on our lives. We, we thank you for the scriptures, Lord. We thank you for the living word of God. But Lord Jesus, above all, we thank you for becoming a, a human man for us, for living a perfect life for us, and for dying a perfect death for us. And Lord Jesus, we worship you, our risen Savior. We thank you that you are alive and risen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your tremendous mercy and grace and goodness on our lives. We thank you for giving this, giving us this Bible and above all for sending Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures, the living word of God. We ask for eyes that see and ears that hear in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me, John 8, 33 to 41. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me, because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have <clears throat> is God himself. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. So Jesus has been speaking to the religious leaders in the last two chapters, just, just profound things. They continue to resist him. These are the highest religious leaders in the land, um, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and they are uh, they're completely obstinate to the profound words, the word of God that he's giving them. Uh, they don't want to receive it. And 
He says in verse 32, he tells them that on verse 31, he says, if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. If you obey the teaching of Jesus, if you believe the teaching of Jesus, if you hold on to the Bible, the living word of God, you hold on to it, you study it, you meditate on it, and you live by it, Jesus says that you are really his disciples by acknowledging the scriptures and by holding on to it, believing it, and obeying it. And he says in verse 32, then you'll know the truth. And it makes sense, right? The more we study our Bible, the more we learn the scriptures, the living word of God, and the more we obey them, um, then the more we'll know the truth. And he says, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Um, it's interesting that, you know, we live in a culture where we believe freedom is in uh, just doing whatever our whims or desires are to do. That's not freedom. Freedom is not found in, in doing what's fun or pleasurable or enjoyable to us. That's not freedom. But as we well know, that's 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 kind of there's something in us that drives us, right? That just uh that that we like what we like, right? We all have preference. And we may feel the most free, quote unquote, feel the most free when we're doing the things that we find the most fun. But that is not biblical freedom. Jesus says, the more that we hold on to his teaching and obey his teaching, the more we will be genuine, productive disciples of Jesus Christ. And he says, then you will know the truth. So the more mature disciple you are of Jesus Christ, the more that you will truly know the truth. And in knowing the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, so genuine freedom, true, biblical, profound freedom comes in increasingly knowing the truth of the word of God and the son of God. And we get to that place by obeying the word of God and the son of God. That's how we come into, into freedom. Make sense? So again, um, Freedom comes entirely in and through Jesus Christ, first receiving him as our Lord and Savior, and then growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ to hold on to the scriptures, to meditate on the scriptures, to study our Bible, and above all, to obey our Bible. And inasmuch as we do that, we will increasingly know the truth, and knowing the truth is what makes us free. Another interesting point on this, truth is not subjective. And this is so important. Truth is not subjective. There is no truth for one person and a different truth for another person. Cannot be ever. It's either true or it's not true. If it is subjective, then it has nothing to do with truth. Okay, this table is white. Okay, that's true. 
The table that I'm on right here is white. The words in this Bible that Jesus spoke, it has the words of Jesus in red. They are in red. Now let's say that I was colorblind. And to me, they just look black. It would not change the truth that they are indeed red. In fact, they were printed in red. Just because you can't see them in red doesn't mean they're not red. Just because this table that I'm sitting at may look gray to you doesn't mean it is. It's not subjective. It is, in fact, white. So does this make sense? It's, um, we talked about last time that, that, you know, if, if somebody is, is blind, just completely blind, they have, they can't see light at all. All they can see is dark. The light is there. The reality is that the light is there. Now they can't see it. Unfortunately, because they're blind, which is terrible. But it doesn't change the reality that light exists and light is, is everywhere in the world. And, and that has its uh that has obviously a spiritual application. Regrettably, the majority of the world are utterly spiritually blind. They can't see a thing. Yet they make claims about reality and truth, and yet they're utterly blind to it. They're spiritually blind. Now, Jesus speaks of this himself. And whether it's, you know, atheism, agnosticism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, whatever isms, right? If we're not in Jesus Christ, according to the very words of Christ himself, we are, we are blind. We cannot see the light. The light, however, remains. The light is there. Christ is there. The truth is there. Regardless of the fact that those who cannot see it make claims, but the reason they can't see it is because they're blind. But as I just gave the example with a, with a naturally blind person, the fact that they deny that life exists because they themselves can't see it doesn't mean that life doesn't exist. It's regrettable that they can't see it. It's terrible. And it's, and it's the same spiritually. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can see the truth. And our eyes are opened. And we have eyes that see and ears that hear by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, living in us. So he tells them this point. <clears throat> he says this profound, amazing, powerful statement, right? But all they hear is the last three words. And this is a, this is a problem in every place of Christianity. We can, you know, we can listen to a teaching. We can listen to a sermon. We, we can read the scriptures. And there can be and there is profound truth everywhere. But all we hear is the, is the certain little da-ding, da-ding, 
the little words that just go off in our minds. You'll notice he says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's so profound, it's overwhelming. But look what they say in 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? So the only thing they heard is set you free. Not paying attention to anything else he's saying. He's speaking to them words that the world has never heard. They are standing before Jesus Christ. And because they're blind, all that goes off in their mind is when he says, listen, again, that was their response to, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And all can they say is, how can you say we'll be set free? We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves and nobody. Father, forgive us. Forgive me. How often we can just... We can just find something to be frustrated about, something to be bothered about, something to be offended about, instead of just receiving the truth of what Jesus is saying. I'll say again, this is a profound problem in the body of Christ today. Um, and, and again, we're all guilty of it at different levels. But instead of just wanting to learn you know, we can find the, the smallest thing and we can miss the entire message. Now, listen, if someone is saying something unbiblical, obviously that needs to be corrected. If someone is saying something that's out of line with the scriptures, that needs to be corrected. But let's not miss the 99% of good just because we don't understand what set you free means. So you see what I'm saying? All they latch on to here, Peyton, is set you free. They miss the profound teaching of what he's saying. And they just talk about that they've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? So all they heard was the last three words. And they missed the beauty of all the rest. And it's, yeah. Verse 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You know, Jesus doesn't lie to you. And when he says this, he's saying, you can bank on this. This is, uh, this is a, a, a certainty. It's absolute is why he's saying, I tell you the truth. Other versions say truly, truly. Um, meaning it's something that you need to lock your mind around when he says these words, as of all his words, of course. But Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. What does that mean? I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. What he's speaking about here, the structure of how he's saying this is that he's speaking about a, a, a sinful lifestyle. He's speaking about if, if you have an area of your life where you're living in habitual sin where you're living in consistent, unrepentant sin, then sin is your master and you're a slave to sin. Now, slavery is a horrible thing, right? Um, 
you know, uh, slavery is, is an abominable thing, right? Um, being slaves of people is horrible, deplorable. But being a slave to sin is the worst of all. It's a hard word Jesus uses, right? I mean, he, he don't play, Kristen, right? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Why does he use such forceful language? We, we don't want to be enslaved to sin. What, what, what habits in your life today? Are there areas in your life where you have a habitual habit of just consistently rebelling against the word of God and not doing what it says to do? Because in whatever place that is, you're, you are in slavery to sin. You are in complete and total bondage to sin. Yes, sin owns you. That's what it means to be a slave, is that you're the property of whatever you're a slave to, right? And he says it in verse 35. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Anything can be done with a slave. He has no place in the family. You could dismiss a slave. You could keep a slave. You, you could have done whatever you wanted. But a son belongs to it forever. In what areas have you not come to your heavenly father as a son or daughter to be set free? Verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Yeah. So this is not speaking just about salvation. Okay. It certainly begins with salvation. Are you trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus Christ today for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not the words that save us. We use the words as a vehicle to, to call out to the Lord, but, but we're saved by what Christ has done. By trusting in Jesus Christ, relying on Jesus Christ, clinging to Jesus Christ, placing our complete and total faith and confidence in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. By humbling ourselves, knowing we're hopeless, helpless, desperate, and that only in Jesus can our sins be forgiven. Only in Jesus can we escape hell. Only in Jesus can we spend eternity in heaven with the Holy Trinity. Only in Jesus is God the Father, our Heavenly Father. That's where it begins. But it's also in Jesus that we grow in greater and greater freedom in walking a more holy life. Growing to be more like Christ, growing to be set apart from sin more and more and more and more. And, and, it, and it takes deliberate relationship with Jesus. It takes 
holding to the teaching of Jesus. It takes being a, a true disciple of Jesus Christ, the disciplined follower of Jesus, Chloe, who growing, who's growing to know Jesus more and more every day, growing to love him, growing to obey him, growing to know his love for you. In doing these things, we know the truth more, and that truth sets us, that truth sets us free in Jesus Christ. So again, um, when, when we have, and it could be any particular thing, it could be a, a, a sin of lying all the time. You're enslaved to this sin. Obviously, it could be, it could be sins of immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, in all their various forms. You know, it could be sins of, uh, of stealing, right? Um, it could be sins of gossip. It could be sins of being judgmental and critical. Whatever they are, whatever, whatever the sin is in our lives, we, we want to come to Jesus and repent. And, you know, you simply come to him and you, and you acknowledge it. To confess your sin, 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you of unrighteousness. And now again, this has nothing to do with our salvation. This is to be set free and to come into greater freedom from the bondage of whatever habitual sins we're dealing with. The reason we say habitual is none of us are perfect, right? If you make mistakes in this in your life, but you're, you're growing to quickly repent over them, to ask for forgiveness, to acknowledge the mistake, then, then that's not, you're not in slavery to sin there. Okay, um, the entire if you don't know Jesus Christ, every human being who's not trusting in Jesus Christ is in total slavery to sin. If Jesus Christ is not living in you today. If you're not a genuine Christian today, then you are in complete bondage to sin in every manner, in any way, in every way. And he's going to go on to say that, unfortunately, that God is not your father. The devil's your father. Again. Very heavy teaching from Jesus. Really, it's it's overwhelming. You know, we're, you know, he speaks in the most forceful way because he wants us to know the truth, and it's only in the truth we'll be free. So again, he's not talking about you know sin that that, that all of us as human beings fall into. He's talking about a lifestyle of habitual sin. In, in, in any manner or in any way. Um, now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And so he's speaking to them, and they are not sons. They believe that they are, they believe that they know they're descendants of Abraham, but they're not children of Abraham. Because if you were a child of Abraham, then you would believe Jesus. Your eyes would be open, he's going to tell them. Right? So, again, in Jesus Christ, you're part of the family of God. And if you're genuinely in Jesus, you are genuinely trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus, knowing he's your only hope, then, then you're, a, you're a child of God. But a son belongs to it forever. You'll spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. But a slave has no permanent place in the family. 
we say it every week, give your life to Jesus. And then we want to start walking in a more Christ-like way for Jesus as Christians. Verse 37, I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. That's pretty profound. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. That's John 8, 37. He acknowledges here, Jesus acknowledges that they are physical, natural descendants of Abraham. That, you know, uh, genealogically speaking, they do descend down from Abraham. But he's making it clear to them that although that they are physically Abraham's descendants, they are not his descendants spiritually. Because if they were his descendants spiritually, if they, if they walked with God as Abraham did, then they would have room for what Jesus is saying. Now look at this. This is a profound statement. I know you are Abraham's descendants. Not, not children, but you are descendants. Yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. If you're, if you're truly a descendant and, and you truly have God the Father in your life, then you will have room for Jesus Christ. If you claim to know God in any manner or in any way, but have no room for the word of Jesus Christ and for Jesus himself, then you do not know God the Father. 38. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And you do what you have heard from your father. And here he's talking about the devil. And he's going to say it plainly down here in like 42 and 43. Very, very heavy statements. I mean, look again. I know you're Abraham's descendants. Yet you're ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. Do you have room for the word of God? Do you have room for Jesus? Do you have room for what Jesus is speaking to you today? Because he says in 38, I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. Again, that is a listen to that statement. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. <clears throat> We have to deal with this man, Jesus Christ, as C.S. Lewis said. I mean, look at these statements. No one spoke like this. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. He, he, he boldly and clearly says that he is eternal, that although he's alive and in a physical body now, he is eternally existent with the Father. And he's, and he's explaining to them so that they realize that, that they have to believe what he's saying. If they're claiming to know God the Father, they have, to, they have to have room for the word of Christ, for Jesus himself. For, the, for you know, Jesus is the word and the words that come from Jesus. You have to have room for that. And if you don't have room... 
for Jesus. You don't have room for his word, then, then you don't have the Father either. I am telling you what, you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your Father. Again, he's um, <clears throat> very, very, very strong words from Jesus. And, and, he, and he, again, he wants them to know the truth. Why does he speak so firmly? Sometimes, again, we've, we've gotten away as ministers and of Christians from a willingness to speak the truth of what the scriptures say. And yet that's what people need the most. That's what it means to love someone the most is to give them the truth. We want to do it lovingly, right? Um, Ephesians 4 says that speaking the truth in love but we do want to speak the truth. He says to them, and you do what you have heard from your father. He's saying that your actions resemble the devil. 39, Abraham is our father, they answered. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, if Abraham was your father. So he acknowledges in 37, I know you are Abraham's descendants, natural, physical descendants. Verse 39, if you were Abraham's children, they just said Abraham is our father. He said, if you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. Very profound theological point here that, uh, you know, He's saying, if you were Abraham's children spiritually, which is what matters, if you had the heart of Abraham, the spirit of Abraham, if you had the true spiritual focus that Abraham walked in, then you would live and speak and do what Abraham did. He's making it very clear here that someone who's in Christ, someone who's living in God, ought to have a lifestyle, in need have a lifestyle of living for Jesus Christ at some level. Now, again, we're all in different places. We're all growing up in different ways. But if we are children of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord, we ought to have a lifestyle that, that, that you know, shows that, that, that people can see that. Again, not that we're perfect and it's not a performance, but but there ought to be a growing aspect of our lives where we, we are being more and more like Jesus. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. Verse 40, as it is, you're determined to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. It's plain what he's saying, correct? Um, if you're claiming you're not real children of Abraham, you're, you're physical descendants of Abraham, but you don't have the same heart of Abraham. You don't walk as your father Abraham walked in this life. Uh, as it is, you're determined to kill me. <clears throat> you know, they're, they're, they, they desire in their hearts to see him killed. And if we're Abraham's children, if they're Abraham's children, they would love the things that he was saying. They would love the fact that Jesus is here. 
As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. I mean, just people just don't want to hear the truth oftentimes. It's, it's sad. It's regrettable. And we could say it in our own lives. Often we don't want to hear the truth. Abraham did not do such things. 41, you are doing the things your own father does. Again, he's speaking to them about the devil. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. When they say we are not illegitimate children, there's a, there's a chance that they are again insulting him, saying you're the one that's illegitimate. Uh, you're the one that was, was born this whole claim that you were born of a virgin. We don't believe that. We're legitimate children. You're the illegitimate child. You're the one whose mother, you know, was, uh, was impure when she had you. There had been, you know, people had heard of Jesus's virgin birth and the claims of his virgin birth, which of course are true. Um, and so there's a, there's a chance here that they are saying that, that they're legitimate, but he is the one that's illegitimate. So they're very possibly insulting him again. We are not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God himself. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. And then that sits there. If you truly know God, you will love Jesus. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now I am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. If you know Jesus Christ today, if you claim to know Jesus Christ today, if you claim to know God as your father, if you claim to have a relationship with God, there ought to be a desire and some kind of growing love in your heart for Jesus, not just as a religious figure, but to have a genuine, meaningful, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Again, you see this cooperation of the Trinity just in the work and the life of Christ and in the work of redemption. Verse 43, why is my language not clear to you? Jesus is asking them, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. And there are, there are regrettably billions in the world, world today who the language of Jesus is not clear, who they can somehow read these words and yet still are unable to hear what Jesus is saying. Why is my language not clear to you? Is the language of Jesus Christ clear to you today? If it's not then, you know, of course, it's hard to understand the things that Jesus is saying. Sometimes it's hard to understand the scriptures. But now we have countless millions of resources all over the world, good, solid resources on the Internet. There's never been a time where you have more access to resources 
that you might know Jesus Christ, that you might understand his word. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. And we'll end here, 44. You belong to your father, the devil. I'm just reading it. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. They have this murderous desire in their heart. They don't. They want to kill Jesus, right? They have a desire to see him killed. They've tried to seize him several times in, in, the, in the last couple chapters, but it, it wasn't his time, so they couldn't do it. You belong to your father, the devil, 44, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Very, uh, very, very heavy language here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and end there, but, you know, again, Jesus just, Jesus tells them, that because they have not received him, that the devil is their father spiritually. It just seems like a, a horribly harsh statement, but it is a spiritual truth that until the spirit of Jesus Christ comes to live in us, when the spirit of Jesus Christ comes to live in us, God, the Holy Spirit, we are, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. We're sealed with God living inside us in the form of his Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. Um, and in that place, God, the Father is our heavenly Father. We are spiritually alive. We're, we're married to Jesus Christ in spirit. We're one forever married to Jesus. We're the bride of Christ. But if we're not in that place, our spirit is dead and, and hell is our domain and the devil, your father. That's what he says. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. When we don't have Jesus Christ in us, we're ruled by sin, our nature of sin. We're slaves to sin, slaves to spiritual death, and slaves to the spiritual enemies, the devil and the demons. Give your life to Jesus Christ today. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your just your mercy on our lives. Holy Spirit, we thank you for living inside of us. We thank you for loving us. We just thank you for your mercy. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us, for living a perfect life for us, and for dying a perfect death for us. We worship you, our risen Savior. We honor you, Lord. Father, we pray that you would draw all men and women in this world unto you, that all would be saved, all would come out from under the devil and would come into life, spiritual life, eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us now, have mercy on us, lead us and guide us, giving us eyes that see and ears that hear. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen.